My name is George, and if you're joining us for the first time this morning, I just want to say welcome. Today's a little bit different, okay? I'm just going to tell you up front. Um, we have no band or musicians or singers up here this morning. Um, this is about back to school. And uh, let me start off by showing you this. Uh, I want to show you, this is George in first grade. Can you, can you guys pick out which one is me? Because uh, which one do you think it is? Which one? The vest? The striped vest? Yeah. Did everyone else get that one? Um, and I want to tell you something about my, my first day of school, um, probably kindergarten and first grade. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety. I remember feeling fear, like going. But here's a couple things I remember about this day. The first thing was when the photographer said, put your hands at your side, notice how compliant I am. Because um, I was just a, a compliant kid and wanted to get it right. Um, you could see my cowlick. My hair was not laying right. I had this cowlick, which I was always self-conscious of. But here's another thing I remember about this day. I remember having a discussion with my mom, and I was so frustrated that I had to wear two belts. I had a belt for my pants, and then I had a belt up here around my waist on this vest. And I'm like, Mom, I do not want to wear two belts. Do I have to wear this vest? But my mom went out. And let me see, I'm the only boy with the vest on, right? But the kid behind me with the jacket and the tie, he wins, right? <laughs> that is a guy dressed uh, for success. But uh, this week, um, I was kind of preparing for this moment uh, today and just praying and thinking about what we could do to mark this moment because it's, it's a back to school. And, um, you know, I was thinking about just the anxiety, the hopes, the things that we come to this week or this time of the year with. And by the way, amongst us here, there are teachers, there's guidance counselors, um, a college professor. Um, many of us uh, have worked on at school staffs, at support staff. Many of us are parents or grandparents. We're all invested some way in, in school. And so, but the thing, when I was looking at this picture and reflecting back as a person who now is 57 years old. But as I reflected back, I began to think about all the people that had loved me along the way, in my imperfection, in the mistakes that I had made, um, all the things that I hoped would go one way and win another. And I just had this moment of looking at that picture of going, wow, I'm overwhelmed with the people that have joined me along the journey and have just loved me unconditionally, indiscriminately, and have helped me get through a lot of things. And what I would tell that first grader, 1974, I would say it's all going to turn out all right. Um, so open your heart to hope and, and goodness, and we'll get there. Here's a second picture I want to show you. Right next door in the cafeteria where our kids are meeting, this week um, the Gallagher Elementary staff gathered back there and we actually have some teachers with us this morning from Gower. And I want you guys to help me welcome. I'm going to do some all, and then I want to give them a proper view church love. And maybe we stand up and, and we give them thanks for the work they do. But the first one is Deborah. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. I better, I better look at Deborah Davis, fifth grade. Cynthia Jones, who teaches fourth grade right here. And Leslie Copen, who teaches third grade. Here was a surprise in my morning. We invited them, but I didn't know they were going to come. But they were here this morning, 
and I would like to stand up and just give them honor because we love the work they do. We love this school. Thank you, guys. Yes. All right. Okay, so you see among us, we have a lot of people that are invested in this work. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, when I saw this picture on the PTO website, I was like, what is going on here? Could you guys give us a little insider? What was happening at this moment? One of you? Um, she's actually the first principal that I've had that does this, but we all gather, and she calls it a moment of silent, but, but we, call, we know it as a moment of prayer as we pray over the school year, um, individually and silently. So this was like you guys were rallying the plan for the year, and then was this a moment where you stop and just in silence and come together? And I love you're all holding hands, like you're a team. So uh, I just, that captured and reminded me of just how important it is. Like, because we feel like you guys are a major part of our mission field. It's a gift to be able to meet in here. But um, just want to say thank you to you guys. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to have some people among our community who are going to come and lead us in some prayers. Now, I don't know what your experience of prayer is. And I'll just say this. I've had vastly different experiences of prayer. I've been in the charismatic Pentecostal church. I've been in more liturgical churches. I've seen the whole gamut. And let me just say this. Um, I've had this ebb and flow, this up and down of what prayer means in my life and how it could be valued and actually how I engage with it. And sometimes in ways that I just want to back away from it. So I get it. We all have kind of like a different relationship with prayer. But I read something several years ago that I want to read to you. Um, it's going to kind of help guide us this morning. And it came from this Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann. I don't know if anyone's ever read any of his stuff, but great scholar. But he says this. He says, I've come to think that much public prayer in the church is careless and slovenly. And that what passes for spontaneity is in fact a lack of a preparation. Thus, I believe that public prayers must be well said in an artful way, not to call attention to the artistry, but to mobilize and sustain the attention of the praying community. So that's, this is what we're going to try to do. I remember when I read this several years ago, um, it really kind of struck a chord of how careless I could be with prayer. I'm a pastor, and everywhere you go, you get asked to pray. But um, this really struck me how maybe we can be more intentional with our prayers and often how I just wing it. And sometimes life calls for that, something that comes from the heart, right? But sometimes a moment calls for something that has been thoughtful and thought through. So in just a few moments, um, we have three couples that are going to come up and they're going to lead us uh, in some prayers. But before we do that, I want to come back to this fear that I talked about. And I want to read you something uh, out of the scriptures that's just so helpful to me. It's found in 1 John chapter 4. And you guys, I, I realize that the Bible can be a very confusing and complex thing. And I'm, I'm someone that has uh, engaged with these scriptures devotionally, um, but not just in a prayer closet, but, but desiring to want to practice these things in, in the ways that I live, in the ways that I interact with others. And so I've, I've discovered these to be so life-giving um, to what it means to be human and what it means to interact with uh, the world around me. But along the way, the different cultures that I've been a part of, um, 
they emphasize different parts of these scriptures or there's certain things that people go, well, that's the main thing or, you know, this is the thing you really got to focus on. And sometimes that is all over the map. And I know in my own journey, when I would find something that I wanted to grow in or really just go, man, I, I want to wrap my heart and life around this. Listen, there are moments in our life and in our journey where something in this text is something that God just wants to work out in our lives. And there's nothing wrong along the way with finding something that you can hold on to, that's like grounding, that you could stand in and you live your life out of. Now, what I'm not saying is don't, I'm saying don't, don't just read that part, read the entire Bible. But what I am saying is that there are things along the way that should be our emphasis. And I think this is one of them. This is an emphasis for me. It's been ever since I could remember my experience of God and what I see in Jesus. And it's what our community is all about here. So let me read this to you. It's found in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse, uh, let's see here, verse 17. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then verse 17 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. When I showed you that picture, if you'll put that back up again, Karen, um, of me and probably them too, uh, there was some fear. And then I looked back and then there was love that throughout my life had driven away fear in a way that made me more hopeful, made me more present to the world that I was in. Show, show the pictures of the Gower staff. Um, I would imagine you guys are feeling anticipation of the new year, the excitement of it, the new students you're going to have, but some apprehension and fear too. Like, what does this year bring? Like, yeah, we hold these things in tension at the very same moment. But I want to give you a different way of thinking about perfect love. Because perfect love, we would tend to think of is without error, you know, without making a mistake. But I think one of the ways that the text gives us perfect love, and if you look at the word perfect in Hebrew, it's this word of completeness and wholeness. That is my granddaughter, and she is the most interactive out of all of you. But I don't think she's paying attention to me. So, uh, perfect love. What if you begin to think about it in this way? What about thinking about love as wholeness? What about thinking, what ways am, am I partially showing up with love? Whether I'm receiving it and I need to be more open. Maybe, maybe I've been hurt and wounded along the way. And I'm finding there are some people in my life that are trustworthy. And maybe I should take a risk and be a little more vulnerable and invite their love a little closer, a little deeper into my life. Who and what are we partial in love toward? And I would argue this. Sometimes it's others. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's ourselves. Friends, we sometimes are the hardest on ourselves when we just need to give ourselves a little more grace. And I think that word perfect is the word, obviously, perfection. And what we do, instead of thinking we're growing into this wholeness of love, sometimes we're more focused on the lack of perfection or the errors we've made, when maybe it's an opportunity to open our hearts to what wholeness can be. Now, here's why I absolutely believe love is essential. Um, because you go throughout the rest of the New Testament here. Maybe some of you are thinking, love, really, George? Like, that's, 
the powerful thing that's going to drive away the fear that I have. Um, maybe some of you see love as being sappy or sentimental or saccharine, right? But that isn't the way the New Testament sees it. Maybe some of us think, well, shouldn't we have graduated on to something else at this point? There's something more substantial to root our lives in or to grow our lives in or open our hearts to. Um, I've thought that before. But that's not what the, this text gives us, this New Testament text. Is love really the strongest thing um, to face our fear? I actually think it is. And I think the New Testament shows us this indispensable kind of power in love. The Apostle Paul, in the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he says things like this, we have nothing, absolutely zilch, if we don't have love. That's a pretty strong statement. Go read 1 Corinthians 13 and just look at the power statements of, of, of that word there. Um, he goes on to say three things will remain. What are they? Help me here. Faith, hope, and love. Three things. And then he goes on to say after he says that, what's he say? And the greatest of these is, is love. Yeah. I don't think there's anything more that we could, more powerful that we could tune our hearts to, point our lives toward, root ourselves in, root our communities in, root our schools in, root the work that we do in the world, root all of our relationships, the people that we love, the enemies that frustrate us. Even there's a word in the text there, to love your enemies. That's a better way to deal with enemies. So this, this is the text. I, I'm going to admit, not easy, but I'm foolish enough to believe that this is the right way to go. And so this morning, we're going to do that together. And then if you need, need Jesus' words, what does he say? What's the greatest commandment? He says, love God. Love your neighbor as your what? Yourself. Love. It's the central thing. You want the greatest commandment? It's that. So here's a question I have for you. Um, where do we need to love God more deeply? Where do we need to love our neighbor more deeply? Which we're going to do here, praying for our school and praying for some of the teachers that are here, and many of you that are engaged in schoolwork, where do you need to open up to loving yourself more deeply and find that there's a wholeness in that that can help heal? Okay, so here's what we're going to do this morning. Everyone take a deep breath, all right? For just two minutes, we're going to gather up all our hopes and our fears for the school year. Now, I know some of us, we're retired and our kids maybe aren't even in school anymore, but you probably have someone you care about or someone you know that is returning to school. But even if it's not school, I just want to take a moment this morning and I want us together, I want you to call to mind one hope that you're holding in your heart. And even if it's, even if it's one of those fragile ones, it's just like barely holding on with your fingertips, like you're almost giving up on it, but there's still something deeper within you that says, I should trust this. And I should, I should try to move toward this and continue to grow toward it. Um, what fear are you holding right now? I want you to call that to mind. So if you would, just close your eyes. I'm going to give us just a few moments here this morning. Just a few moments. And I just want to remind you, as your feet are planted uh, on the ground here, um, there is a groundedness that we all can find safety and rest in. Um, God is love. But now what I want you to think about is just what is that hope? Maybe it's not fragile. Maybe it's actually coming to fruition for you. 
um, maybe you're beginning to see signs of it, like its growth or how it's growing in meaning in your life. And can we just for a moment, could we allow God's love to hold that hope with us and be reminded just for a moment that we're not alone in that? And that this might be the very best thing for us, but we can't actualize this. We can't live it out fully unless we get some help. And so let's just start with God's love. Maybe God's love has planted that in our hearts. And maybe God is going to send other people who care about us and care about that to love us and help guide us toward that. Now, just for a moment, what's the most agitating fear that you hold? Call that to mind. The one that's just relentless, just can't seem to shake. And for some of us, it doesn't matter where we're at, this fear just has a way of um, speaking to us and distracting us, perhaps even from the hope, the seed of hope that's been planted. Now, what if the wholeness of God's love and the wholeness of being surrounded by others who are witnessing to your life and your journey, what if they're loving you through that? Um, is it possible, like the scriptures say, that that could drive out that fear? I think so. I'm gonna take a risk here. Anyone wanna name a hope that they have? Anyone? It's okay, I don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. I just wanna give you a chance. Anna? <laughs> By the way, Anna's a teacher. You teach kindergarten, right? And this is what, your eighth year? Okay. What's your hope? Um, my hope is for love for my students and just, um, just this understanding of them that surpasses the day-to-day -day frustrations of being a teacher um, and just the love for the people that I work with that surpasses the frustration of working with adults, um, which sounds really funny, but it's really true. Okay. Anyone else? A hope. That the so our our oldest is going into um, third with new teachers, so that he would connect with them and not be lost in the crowd. And then our youngest is going into kindergarten, which is a lot more responsibility. So that he would blossom in that space. Thank you, Chaz. Uh, hope for our son starts kindergarten this year and um, a new baby due October. So easy um, birth an easy birth and that's easy for you to say not so easy for her to say <laughs> oh here Deb. I hope that I can be the Jesus for the kids that come into my classroom that don't get to see him I love it everyone raising their hand um, we have three boys, so going into seventh, fourth, and second. 
I think in particular for my middle, just the inner peace. Um, so he doesn't get lost in the crowd and he's seen for who he is and um, just the battle within him comes to rest. Those are beautiful. All right, so here's what we're going to do now then. Um, we're going to be able to call the prayers of the people. And so we have three couples that are going to lead us in some prayers. Um, and they'll, they'll tell you what it is. You'll see it up on the screen, what we're praying over. But I'm just going to ask you now just to open your heart to make these prayers your prayer. You know, something I learned along the way as a pastor, um, that I don't always have to have the right prayer in the moment. Sometimes you could borrow the prayers of others. You guys ever had those experiences in life where you just didn't feel like you had the right words and someone did and you went, oh, my best day. I wish I could have said that or I wish I could have prayed that. Well, one of the things that I'm learning along the way as I'm maturing in this work, you could borrow the prayers of others that are well said, that can kind of sum up for all of us um, what we would say on our best day. So that's kind of what we tried to uh, do in this moment. So I'm going to invite our first couple up, uh, Chaz and Kayla, and they're going to begin. They're just going to lead us in the prayers of the people. Good morning. Um, Chaz Valdez and my wife, beautiful wife, Kayla. Um, um, he just said our son is starting kindergarten on Tuesday. Um, so we're feeling all the emotions. This is our prayer for all the students and staff and administrators. We pray our schools would be a place of great discovery, adventure, and creativity. May it be a place where children love to learn and where they learn to love others. A place where everyone is respected and all are deeply valued. We pray today for school administrators and guidance counselors that you would grant them clarity of mind and a heart of wisdom to make decisions that lead to the flourishing of their teachers, staff, and students. Thank you for all the support staff who help students every day. Student resource officers, custodians, administrative assistants, bus drivers, cafeteria staff, and so many more. God, we know schools cannot operate with all these, without all these important individuals. May everyone work together with the common goal of serving one another for the good and the well-being of the whole community. Marianne Green. This is my husband, Chris, and we have two boys. Our oldest will be in third grade, and our youngest is starting kindergarten. So excited to have two in the same school for the first time. And this is our prayer for the teachers and students. I just want to say something real quick, too. Um, I come from a family of teachers. I mean, dozens of uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, mother. Uh, teachers are my favorite folks in the whole world. You guys are unbelievable, amazing. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out and thanks for letting us share your facility. What better place to come in with the faith of a child to worship than a school? So thank you very much. And uh, here we go. All right. The prayer for teachers and students. We pray our teachers feel valued, supported, and greatly appreciated for all they do each day. 
Give our teachers renewed energy and enthusiasm to teach with joy and purpose. We pray for routines and innovation that may bring new hope, excitement, and readiness to learn and grow. Calm their minds when tension arises and give them words of encouragement when they feel overwhelmed. We ask a blessing on all those that are seeking to teach their children in a home environment. Fill everyone who teaches with inspiration, unleashing a joyful curiosity in their students, inspiring even more learning. Did I skip one? No. Sorry. Loving God, be with our students. We ask that you would help them thrive as they begin a new year of learning and growing. We ask for your blessing on their backpacks, which are carrying much of what they are learning and holding bits of who they are. May the burdens in them be light. May the bodies that bear them be strong and growing and whole and blessed by your love. Lord our God, in your wisdom and love, you surround us with the mysteries of the universe. Send your spirit upon these students and fill them with your wisdom and blessings. Hey, I'm Yuri. Pam and I have um, Gavin and Josiah, who are, as I mentioned earlier, going into third grade in kindergarten. Um, so this is a prayer for moms, dads, and guardians. Father God, I thank you for the gift of our children. Thank you for the joy and the challenge that they bring to each day. As they return to school, please keep them safe from harm, from injury, from the culture's exhausting pace and impossible expectations. Help us to delight in the things that bring them joy, to strengthen them when they stumble and to encourage them when they lose confidence. Help us to be beacons of your light and your love, showing them a beautiful way to live. Calm our hearts when we feel anxious and comfort us when we feel overwhelmed. Above all, help us to guide our children that they might know and experience your love through us. And may every home and family be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. And Jabez called on the Lord of Israel to bless him, to be with him, to expand his territory, to keep him from evil that causes pain. And the Lord granted his request. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. This is a prayer that I've been saying for over 30 years. Sometimes I use the, the I read it right out of the Bible, but other times I make up my words myself and say, God, what do you have for me today? What, what can I do for you to thank you for blessing me? This is also a prayer that I've incorporated into my curriculums. For over 20 years, I've included this in my syllabuses and opening message for every semester. I've included it in with my prison ministry and all the classes that I've taught at the prisons. 
and they understand, I think, more about evil that causes pain. I've been blessed. I've gone to had the opportunity to teach. I've had the opportunity to take this prayer and tell it to, the, to my students and, and to the inmates who are in my classes. I also, when I say this prayer, I, I also give them a background. And I go back to, the, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and it's a boring chapter. I mean, it's, it's really not that exciting. And, and matter of fact, you just want to put the book down and go watch old commercials. <laughs> because what it is is a genealogy of names, names you can't even pronounce. One right after the next, from Adam and Eve to Noah, Noah all the way up to Abraham. But the author, who's not known but could have been Ezra, felt that that person was important. That person was significant. That per person, he wanted to be entered into the book of life because they had a purpose. I've taken this and I explained this to the, to the students, that each and every one of them have a purpose. Each and every one of them are blessed. And a lot of times, the students, my students, they don't understand what their purpose is. And I, there's times that I still don't understand what my purpose is in life, but yet they do have a purpose. I go on and, and explain to them in verse 9, where it says, a woman gave birth, and it was a difficult birth, but her son grew up to be most honored. And that's very, very important because in education, in schools, kids are bullied. Uh, but it's how they react to these, to these messages. And their son, Jabez, grew up to be most honored. Because Jabez in Hebrew means one who causes pain. Woman gave birth and it was a difficult birth. It, it goes on where... Jabez wanted to be blessed, and I explained this to the students that you have the ability to be blessed, that your territory can be expanded, that your knowledge base will be increased so you can go out and do great things. But you need help. You need help from teachers, you need help from fellow students, you need help from parents, and it can be accomplished. But you need help from the living God. Keep us from evil that causes pain, bullying. And as I said before, my inmates understand pain that they have caused, not only to themselves, but to their victims, but mostly to their families, especially their grandparents or grandmother. So that's my, my prayer. The understanding that hopefully will have the ability to reach out, expand our territories, give the students the knowledge that they can go out and do great things, give them the confidence that they can achieve great things, give them the confidence and the guidance to keep them away from evil that causes pain. And that is my prayer. That's my prayer for the school, but it's also my prayer for the congregation. It's not all yet. 
I was denied the right to uh, say and even write about the prayer of Jabez in my curriculum or syllabuses. They, do, they said, I have to have separation of church and state, and you can't use it. And I remember being called into the HR's um, office, and he said, Tom, you've got to take this out of your curriculum, off your syllabuses. And I said, I'm not going to tell you what I told him, but I said no. And I even had to go in front of a hearing because it's... And I said, no, I'll go through the hearing. And it turned out that within a few minutes, the, the Tennessee Board of Regents lawyer said, I want to take your class and said, please use it because it's a message for the kids. Department of Corrections said the same thing. I went in front of the commissioner and explained to him the importance of this prayer and the importance of the understanding that, that we do are involved with evil and we have to have ways out. And he said we could do it. I went in front of the Davidson County Sheriff's and they said, Tom, you can't use this, but we know you, so just don't evangelize. <laughs> so that's my prayer. That's my prayer for everyone. In God's name, I pray, and I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you because you're part of this too. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, leading us in those prayers, Tom, thank you so much. Um, here's what we're going to do for just the final few moments here. I'm going to invite you to these tables. Um, these tables represent the love that we've been talking about. Um, these tables are a welcome to anyone who wants to be at the table with Jesus. So I uh, just want you to know everyone's welcome if you want to come this morning. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a piece of bread, and, you're, and someone's going to say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then we're going to give you a cup that has some grape juice in it, and we're gonna, you're going to hear, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And um, what this means for us is that this love that we're talking about it's enduring. And I'm sure with all the hopes and the fears that we bring to the table with us today, I've actually learned over time that these simple elements, in the same way that you might think, how in the world could love be a power? It just seems like a weak thing. Or it seems like it's something, it's something that's too sappy. No! Love is actually what has changed the world. And if there's anything we see in Jesus, is this self-sacrificing love that faces the ugliest that the world could bring, the darkest things that the world could bring, and finds through all of it this resurrection power that raises Christ up. Now, here's what I want you to know as you come to the table. And maybe it's not even with certainty that this would even matter in some way in your life. Maybe for some of us our faith is a little stronger and more substantive, and we know how meaningful it is. But regardless of what spectrum we're on on, on that, when we come to this table, here's what I just want you to hear. Um, whatever it is, is that needs to be raised up in your life, whatever it is that you're facing, that you feel like is going to take you out, that's the darkest, it's the evilest, the ugliest thing, that's um, just going to wreck it all, may you receive these with grace and love and discover in something so simple 
that maybe the worst that you're holding in your heart, the worst fear, the worst thing you've done, maybe you find yourself being raised up in the midst of that. So um, we're going to do that in just a moment. But before we do that, um, I want to set this up. We didn't have a band or anything today, but I do have a song for you. And I think this song says it all. And it'll be the thing that invites us to the table this morning. So would you just watch this? A good teacher loves to know that their students got the message, okay? And you guys should know this by now. You ready? So there are preachers, if they don't get the amens, if they don't get them, they're not going to let people go, all right? So that's all about us. I shouldn't be working out doing my therapy in front of you. But I want to make sure you guys got this. So here it is. What road are we on? The road of love. And who is your companion along the way? Love. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday.